lesson number 18. It's one of our foundations, uh, foundational scriptures for this particular series. Again, we are talking about understanding the purpose and the power of prayer. Understanding the purpose and the power of prayer. Luke chapter number 18, verse 1 says, And he said, this of course Jesus speaking, He spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought to always pray and not, and not, and not, and not faint. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. Now one of the reasons why I want to point out the, the first portion of what the scripture indicates is that sometimes we take this parable and we misinterpret it as this is the methodology by which Jesus is saying that we ought to pray. Jesus is not saying use this method. He is talking about an overall concept in this parable. And he says, essentially, at the very beginning, before he talks about it, he says to make the point that at all times men ought to pray and not lose heart. That's the point. So when he's talking about the judge and when he's talking about the persistence of the, the widow, he wants to get you get over to you the point that men should do or men and women should pray persistently. Persistence is key to a success within life. Persistence is existing for a long time or longer than a usual. It's continuous. So he's saying men ought to always be persistent in their prayer life. It's not a one-time situation. It is supposed or is intended to be a perpetual thing within your life. So we got two words, persistence and something that is perpetual. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. The Amplified literally says, be unceasing, and I love how the fact it uses the word persistent in prayer. Pray, verse 17, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Because we've understand that persistence is key to success within life. Your prayer life is going to be equated to your success within life. Now, Matthew chapter four and verse four, we looked at this again on last Thursday. It says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so we get from this once again that it is intended that the believer should not just simply live based on natural food. We feed ourselves every single day, but Christians don't have a problem missing a prayer date. Now, if we miss the meals, it'd be one thing, but we're going to eat. We're going to find some chicken. We're going to find some pizza. But if we would have that same concept, now I can't let a day go by without spending time in prayer with my Heavenly Father. That will begin to change every circumstance in your life. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Communication with God is intended to be a persistent lifestyle, likened to eating natural food, essentially is what he's saying. And one of the reasons why we looked at that is because Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. Communication with God is intended 
to be a perpetual lifestyle because God's word is spirit and life. It is alive and active. One word from God can change anything and everything for you. One word from God. God can speak one thing to you and it changes your whole circumstance and your whole situation. The question is, am I in the position to be able to hear from God? God says, all right, I want you to meet me every single day at six o'clock. You say, well, Lord, that's too early. But if your work tell you they want you to be here at six o'clock, you ain't got a problem. And God's staring at you saying that, but you say that I'm Lord and you value me, but you don't value spending time with me. Why is it that God is chasing some of us down, trying to get in a word edgewise? He's God. God Almighty is showing and it's a display when this is the case in our life that we really don't have the value that we say we have. Sometimes, you know, we can get more people to show up for choir than you can for prayer time because we don't place a value on prayer. And one of the reasons why we don't place a value on prayer is because we've not really understood what it is versus what it is not from time to time within the body of Christ. Now, let's look back once again as we Define this. <clears throat> We've said that what is prayer? And this is the reason why I said these outlines are available online. What is prayer? It says, essentially, prayer is worship. Prayer is to address God. It is a place set apart or suited for offering. It is a seeking. It is an asking. It is petitions. Or this word that the King James often uses, the word supplications, petitions, requests or supplications. All of these areas are defined as what prayer is. In essence, it is communication between heaven and earth, between God and man. Communication between heaven and earth between God and man. And when we begin to look at Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, we begin to see a display of what God's original intent was for man. That in the, in the garden, that man and God, they, they, they had communication unbroken, without fear, no issues. God, God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. Adam did not tremble in fear or natural being afraid of God. And so it should be in this uh, ministry of reconciliation when you get born again that God is not this all way out there father but he's an ever present help in a time of need he is real to me just as real as the person sitting next to me but the question is whether or not we believe that now let's look back again at Ephesians chapter number 6 Ephesians chapter number 6 Ephesians chapter number six, Paul, by inspiration of the spirit, talks about the armor of God in the verses before this, talking about finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And then he ends this whole thing or this area in verse number 18 by saying, praying always with notice the term all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Now, we're going to focus in on this first portion, praying always with all prayer. 
The New International Version of the Bible says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. All prayer. Now, it'd be one thing if he said pray and that's it. But he says all kinds of prayer. One of the reasons why I believe he says all kinds of prayers because one of the notions we need to understand is that, once again, all prayer is not the same. All prayer is not the same. All of it, yes, is communication between heaven and earth. It is communication between God and man. But it is not all the same. And if we don't understand this concept, then sometimes when we are praying, maybe that's the reason why we're not seeing the results, because prayer is not all the same. There are different kinds of prayer. I heard Brother Price say it like this, and I can't improve upon this example. He said, now, if you think in terms of this, this, you got football, you got basketball, you got soccer, you got baseball, you got golf. What's the commonality between all of that? Hmm? Ball? Hmm? Sports. <laughs> yes. Every single one of them are a sport. Yes, I knew we'd get the invention. That's all right. <laughs> so once again, you got football, basketball, baseball. Man, you can put in there with a pickleball if you want to. Okay, all of them, yes, they have ball in it, that's correct. But they're all sports. But the issue or the thing is, every one of these sports are operating off of different rules. They all can be categorized as a sport. But dare I say, if you go into football with basketball rules, you are not going to get the results that you thought you were going to. Even though you might have had great passion, great intent, came in there, you were physically fit, ready to do some great football, but you got a basketball trying to play basketball rules in football. It doesn't work. If you try to take a football and run over here in, in what the world really calls football, which we call soccer, it doesn't work. The rules are different, even though all of it can be categorized as something that you play with a ball or something that is considered a sport. Why am I saying this? Because everything is classified as prayer in so many different ways, but there are different rules for different prayers. They're not all the same. There are different purposes in prayer when you look at the different kinds of prayer. Does that make sense? All right. So we've looked at this area or we're going to begin. Let me say it like this. We've not really looked at it. I'm going to make reference to it uh, right now. But that's we got to set some things up first before we get into this uh, uh, deeply. But we said, what is prayer? Five different categories of prayer. One of them is communication or fellowship with the father. Fellowship with the father. This area is where it's the area of intimacy. It's the area of meditation and fellowship. It's the area of worship. Uh, John 4 and verse 24 says, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, when I'm fellowshipping with my father, I'm not necessarily asking for anything. I'm not requesting or having a petition. That might be the problem as well with some believers. Again, only time you go to God is when you're asking for something. Lord, give me, let me have, touch me, and all these kind of things. 
And consequently, when that's the only time you spend with God, you don't really get to know him. I mean, just like if you got a natural relationship, the only thing, only time they show up is when they need something. Your relationship with that person is at best going to be limited because you're like, and what you want now? Only time you ever show up here is when you want something. I wonder when God looks at us and he's your loving father. He said, well, only time you ever talk to me is when you need something. Why don't you just come spend some time with me? Worship, fellowship. Hmm? I have a little talk with Jesus. But see, tell them about your trouble. That's what we all do right there, the latter part. But just spending time with God. When you take the time to meditate the word of God, that's spending time with God. Another area or category of prayer is communication of power or authorizing petition prayers, if I, I can say it like that. It is the prayer of faith. It is praying in the name of Jesus. It is confessions of the mouth. It is the uh, prayer of agreement. Once again, we'll look at all of these as we continue down these lines. Number three, it is, or another area or category of prayer is intercessory prayer, intercessory prayer. Or what I define as proxy surrogate or what is known as standing in the gap prayer. When you're standing in the gap for someone, when you're praying on behalf of someone, that is this area of intercessory prayer. Number four, dedication and commitment prayer. When we're talking about dedication and commitment prayer, it is the only time when you use this term, if it be thy will. It is when we are praying a prayer of dedication or commitment where the will of God is not known. When you are at the hospital, we don't pray if it be thy will because the will of God is known. You're going to come in here praying if it be thy will. I'm going to ask you, please don't come down to see me if I'm in there. I need some people that are going to stand in faith and come in there with the prayer of faith. You hear what I'm saying to you? If it be thy will is directly connected to when the will of God is not known and I am committed to unite my faith in this area or united prayer in which I am praying for the will of God to be done for him to put me in a position to open up doors. And we're going to look at that a little bit more thorough as we continue on. Number five. Communication or, or the father's directives or objective. Communication of the directives or the objectives of the father. You remember in Acts chapter number 10 and uh, verse number 19 it says, While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So this is a communication of the Spirit of God to Peter in Acts chapter 10 and verses 19 and 20. And he's telling him a fact, which is, come on, somebody knows that. Oh. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of that, yes. <laughs> which is which? Wisdom is what to do. Notice how that he didn't make it so we couldn't know it. <laughs> Word of knowledge, to know something. A fact that's in the heart of God. A fact concerning a situation or circumstance. 
He says, while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. That is a fact. Verse number 20, arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing. I for I have sent them. Acts chapter 10 again in verses number 19 and 20. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Sometimes God will show you something, just a fact. See what you're going to do with it. And then sometimes God will give you a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. He'll show you what to do with what he gave you. A lot of times when he just shows you a fact, a lot of times what he wants you to do is just pray about that. Again, it's fellowship with him concerning that. Spend time with him concerning that. And then as you begin to develop in that area and he gets you where he needs you to be, then he'll open up the word of wisdom so he'll show you how to connect the dots with what he showed you. But a lot of times we don't get to the word of wisdom in our life. Once again, it's because you didn't show back up. God gave you a dream in the midnight hour. You saw it was clear as day. What did you do with it? Did you do anything? Did you pray about it any further? You just said, mm, that was something. I imagine if Joseph, once again, had this same concept, Mary might have had to find another husband. Mm, that was an interesting dream. <laughs> that was really something. Was that an angel or was that spaghetti I ate last night? I don't know. Okay? Communication of directives and objectives. Number six, fasted prayer or fasting and praying. Matthew 17, verse 21 said, how bad... This kind goeth not out but by fasting or praying and fasting. Once again, we're going to look at these areas a little bit more closely as the weeks or the sessions unfold. This is only session number two, and I kind of gave you an overview because we got to set this area up first. <clears throat> now, we talked about what prayer is. We've talked about varying or what I've defined as these different categories, if you will, of prayer, six different categories of prayer, but we got to first establish what prayer is not. What prayer is not. Okay? Five things we need to understand before we talk any further about prayer. What prayer, we've talked about what it is, we got to establish what it is not. Number one, what prayer is not? Prayer is not trying to get God's attention. Prayer is not, number one, trying to get God's attention. Turn over, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. And let's look at verse 28. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Now, we've said this year we believe it's the year of confidence. A firm trust in God. A place of confidence, believing who God says you are, confidence and believing in his provision and believing that he'll protect you. Now, we physically in this area, we had, you know, tornado watch, we had thunderstorms. And even in the front, I was just believing God that God said he'd take care of us. So we believe that God can take care of us. We shouldn't be people of fear like the world is. Here comes a storm and the Christians are just as scared as, as folk that don't know God. We got a whole problem here. God says this year we need to move to an area of confidence. You know what it ought to be when you go to work? The people are like, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, when she show up, everything seems to be all right. I don't know about when she off now. <laughs> but when she here, 
I tell you what, all will be well. Even if we have an issue, you can be just like Paul and say to the captain, listen, there's going to be an issue if you go this way. And yet, because Paul was on the ship, even in the issues, God said, I can't let my man go down. It should be when you go to work, listen, God will move a thousand people aside. I said, no, nah, my girl's over there. I got to make sure all is well over there. If it's in for no other sake than the fact that you are there, God says, I'm going to bless it. I'm going to favor it because your presence is there and I sent you there and I got you in the place of my assignment. Why am I saying this? Because prayer is not, it is not trying to get God's attention. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Notice this. Scripture says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them, notice, who are called according to his purpose. Now, we're going to look at this a little bit later. Contextually, he's really talking about an area of prayer. But right now, we're going to look at it from this sense. He says, all things work together for the good. Of them that love God. Can you check that off? And those that are called according to his purpose. Can you check that off? Am I doing the assignment? He says that we know that all things work together for the good. Now notice this in verse uh, 28 out of the Amplified. Scripture says, and we know with great confidence that God, notice it says out of the Amplified version, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. He says this area, we need to know this. We need to have confidence. Those that God who is deeply concerned about us. Turn over, if you will, Matthew 28. We got to know this about prayer. First. I'm not trying to get God's attention. I already have God's attention. He's deeply concerned about me. Sometimes I got to remind myself of that because some days, some, some days a little rough now. I'm mean, at work or I, there's an issue going on in my life and I'm like, Lord Jesus, you, 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 what's going on, Jesus? God's not a distant father. He's concerned about every area, every arena of your life. Matthew 8. 28 and verse 20. Look at this. Latter part, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Latter part. And lo, I am with you sometimes, right? In nine then. When you feel it. When you get when you feel the Holy Ghost chill. He says, and lo, I am with you all ways. Even to the end of the world. I even sometimes look at that even when my world feel like it's ended. He says, I am with you. Turn over, if you will, Hebrews uh, 13 and verse number five. Y'all with me? All right. Hebrews 13 and verse number five. I'll read this out of the uh, King James and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified if you follow on the uh, Bible app. Notice this. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse six, so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. 
and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Confidence in the fact that God says, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm always there with you. Lo, I'm always with you. So when I go in my prayer closet or having time in prayer, it's not saying, God, give me your attention. He said, you already got my attention. Look at this in the Amplified. Look how this reads. Verse 5, he says, let your character, your moral excellence, your inner, let me drop down. Uh, let's just read all, your inner nature. Be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I notice how the Amplified says it. This is good. I will never under any circumstance desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. He says, listen, I'm not going to desert you. He says, I won't leave you without support. I won't leave you uh, in any degree helpless. I won't forsake you or let you down or relax my hope. You know, this can be a confession of your mouth. God said, I ain't going to do I assuredly am never going to leave you. Now, why am I spending time with this again? Because when we go into prayer, it might have been that, yeah, maybe you had a father. That you had to do cartwheels to get their attention. God's not like that. He's a good, good father. I come in with his attention. I can come boldly before the throne of grace. Because he's my heavenly father. One more scripture here. Watch this. Um, let's go if you will. Psalms 8. Psalms 8. I quoted this last week, but I want us to look at this thing. Because I want you to get this on the inside of you. I'm not trying to get God's attention when we're talking about prayer. He says, I'm with you always. One of the confidence that we have where, where his presence is concerned, he says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I don't need a crowd. He says, just two. There I say, in the house of a married Christian believing couple, the presence of God should be perpetual. And we know he's here because two or three. We said this house is dedicated to God. It's one of the things, I mean, some, some of the things that somebody, some people have quoted or said to us over the years when they come to our house or family gatherings, they said there's peace here. And one of the reasons why there's peace here is because two of us walk in an agreement and we've invited the presence of the Lord here in our personal life and in the life of our union. The presence of God is here and the presence of God is peace. I'm not guessing. He says he's with me. You say, well, I don't feel nothing. He says he's there. You say, well, Lord, he pushed me. No, he said I ain't got to do all that. You need to approach this by faith. Psalms 8. And verse number four, watch this. He says, what is man? That thou art mind full of him. What is man? That thou art mind full of him. God's full, his mind is full concerning man. What is the son of man that thou visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor, 
and thou hast made thou mayest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. The angel said, man, what, what is it about man that you're so mindful of him? That you, that you visited him, that you've crowned him, made him a little lower than Elohim, God. Now, the angels know this about man, but man, born again believers, sometimes don't know this about God. Lord, we just got, we got to break open the atmosphere, come all kinds of stuff. He said, I'm with you. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. I'm not trying to get God's attention. You already got God's attention. Maybe what you need to do is get your faith in the right perspective, in the right place, and then he can move the way he wants to move. Y'all with me? I know you're working back there. It's all good. Y'all working steadily, boy. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right, so we said number one, some things we need to know. So what prayer is not? Prayer is number one, not trying to get God's attention. Number two, prayer is not, it is not, it is not a religious activity. Prayer is not a religious activity. Now I want, I want to, I'm going to read this in the Message Bible. Let's turn over to Luke, I mean Matthew chapter number six. I love how this reads. Prayer is not a religious activity, not for the born again believers. It might be for people that don't know the living God, but it should not be for you that serve the living God. Are y'all with me? Now, notice this, Matthew chapter number six. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to read this out of the uh, message translation of the Bible. <clears throat> verse number five in the message says and when you come before God don't turn that into a, theoret a theoretical production either all people all these people making a regular show out of their prayer hopping or hoping for 15 minutes of fame he says do you think God sits in a boxing. So what are you saying? <clears throat> to do it justice, I'm almost have to read it in the King James and then we'll go back over it. This is Bible study, is that all right? All right, let's go over here. <laughs> Let me read this uh, in more of a traditional setting first. In fact, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation, and then I'm going to look this over in the, um, the message. He says, watch out, verse number one, do your good, he says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your heavenly or your father in heaven. He says, essentially, when you're doing good deeds, God is concerned about your motivation for why you do what you do, just not just what you do. Verse number two. And when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and in the streets and to call attention to their acts of charity. He says, I'll tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. You know, those folks that, you know, in our day and age, blowing the trumpets. That's why, again, we got to be careful about even what we put on Facebook. What's the motivation there? Y'all see me giving. 
See what kind of good Christian I am? God says, all right, cool. Yeah, I see it. They saw it. Your reward is complete. Because that's why you were doing what you were doing. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my glory. It wasn't about my assignment. It was about you and you getting credit. You got the credit. You got what you needed. That's it. All right. Don't look at me in that tone of voice now. <laughs> Verse number three. He says, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, that's where we get to verse number five. He says, and when he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. People who like to make public spectacles of their prayer. Now, here we are coming to pray this morning. And I just want to display to you my spirituality. And I want to use deep and theological words. And it's rather we come and pipe thee before thee. Well, you making a show at it. God says, you got your reward. This time of the year, you know, there's a lot of prayer breakfast. And one of the things I've noticed about some prayer breakfast is there's a lot of breakfast, not a lot of prayer. <laughs> okay? It's a show. God says, if that's what the heart's motivation is, you got your reward. And let's keep going. Notice he says, verse number six, but when you pray, he says, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, stop here. Over in, back here in the message translation, he says, but when you, when you come before God, don't turn it into a theoretical production either. All these people are making a regular show of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. He says, do you think God sits in the box seats? Even some... I'll say that even some folks right now have a regular routine prayer on Facebook. It ain't about praying for folks. It ain't about praying for the, the city. It's not about praying for the church. It's about you seeing them pray because you want to build your ministry up. God says you got your reward. Verse number six here out of the. Uh, because we read it in the New Living Translation, now the message says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. You know, because, you know, again, what's the motivation? You're going up there and you're praying. Is it for God or is it for them? Is it for them so that they can see how spiritual you are? God says motivation in prayer is important to him. He says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Now, verse seven, watch this. Y'all with me? Okay, all right, I know, just keep working, pray to you. Lord, if people could see what, what I see. <laughs> Well, we're working hard back there. Amen. Number seven, verse seven, it says, when you pray, he says, don't babble on 
as Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need or what you need even before you ask him. He says, and then he goes on and gives a model or pray like this. So in other words, he says, don't you don't you be like the hypocrites. Don't go around thinking that, you know, you're using all these big words, repetitive words, and that's going to get you a little bit further with God. He says that's what worldly people do. Gentiles do or it's equated to what worldly folks do. They think by their many words, God will actually be giving them attention. But we know God says, I'm low. I'm with you always even to the end of the world. They think if they have all of these different forms or all of these different patterns that man, because I say it like this. When I grew up in the denominational church, it's not going to call out a denomination tonight. I used to think Reverend this or Reverend that, man, when they got up there and prayed, man, did you hear them pray? But the more I got into the word of God, the more I began to understand. No, you did. Did you hear them pray? Because it was a show. It felt like a show, came off like a show, because it was a show. It wasn't scripturally based, but it was impressive to the spiritually ignorant. He says, don't make a show out of it. Verse 7 out of the uh, message says, the world is full of so-called, notice this out of the, out of the message. That's why I, I wanted you to see this. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Let me say that one more time. <clears throat> I'm just reading the Bible. It says the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. Let me say that again. They're full of formulas, programs, advice, peddling techniques for getting what you need from God. They might even say, man, you only need to pay this amount of money to come to my special prayer class. Or you might need to do this to have, you know, because, you know, they say, well, we got this special prayer show as if the Bible says anything about that in the New Testament. We go on to old covenant to bring into the new covenant something we don't need to be doing. Yeah, they had to put the prayer shawl in, in the old covenant, but it is not it is not the case in the new covenant where we live today. The concept that's being deposited is what Jesus is essentially saying here. He's saying get to a secret place where you are talking directly between you and God. That is what the prayer shawl genuinely represents. Now, as pastor preaching against pressure, I am not. I just once again, I want I'm going against an area of religion because prayer is not a religious activity, even though it is and has become that in the minds of so many believers. All right. So we said, number one, because we need to understand what prayer is, what it is not. Prayer number one is not what? Mm -hmm. Not trying to get God's attention. Number two, prayer is not. Don't all speak at once now. 
All right. Number three, watch this. The latter part of verse number seven, Jesus is indicating this. Prayer is not a function of posture or position. Prayer is not a function of posture or position. The word function means an activity uh, that is natural to or the purpose of a person or a thing. Now, when we talk about posturing, it means behave in a way that is intended to impress or mislead. Prayer is not a function of a behavior that is intended to impress or mislead people, i.e., prayer is not vanity. If that is the motivation in your prayer, then God knows that. Prayer is not an act of vanity. But prayer is also not an act based on the position of the particular person, i.e., this person, you say, well, this is a greatly anointed man or woman of God. God must hear them. Well, God says, in the kingdom, all of my children are treated exactly the same. You say, well, no, 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 no. That's Bishop fill in the blank. No, that's Apostle that. Yeah. As far as God is concerned, that's Job. <laughs> that's Tim. Because that's his son. That's his daughter. That's Deborah. That's, that's Jenny. Now, yes, their position in the kingdom government or work might be apostle this. It might be bishop that. But as far as when they come before God, they come just the same as you and I. There is no difference. Turn over to Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Scripture says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, of a truth. Now, the New International Version of the Bible, I love how it reads. It says, now I realize how true this is, or it is. Remember, we started talking about Peter a few minutes ago in which the direction of the Lord was given. The latter part, later on, he says, I'm figured out something. God does not, notice how the New International says, God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. Prayer is not a function of posture. It is not a function of position. So another way we can look at posture is if you have the ability to sing while you pray and I don't, then God moves on your behalf. Then he don't move on my behalf. Then God is a respected person. There's some preachers, man, they can they can just start breaking out with songs and doing all kind of things. And man, they got all kind of gifts. God would not move on his behalf no more than he'll move on my behalf. Because otherwise, God would be showing favoritism or partiality towards that preacher and not me when God didn't give me that kind of gift. You say, well, I'm spending time when I pray, I cry and I do all these kind of things. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. But God doesn't move on your behalf because you're praying, praying and this person over here is not praying. That is posturing. Nothing wrong with crying. But the reason why God moves on our behalf is because we operate according to the word of God. Or dare we even use the term according to the rules that govern prayer. God is not a respecter of persons. Romans chapter 2 and verse 11 says the same thing. There is, there, for there is no respect for persons with God. The Amplified says, God, for God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism with him. One person is not more important than another. That's Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. Well, one person, are, we are exactly the same in the kingdom of God. 
black, white, brown, red, yellow. God says there is equality in the kingdom. Everybody comes exactly the same way. Bishop, apostle, teacher, preacher, everybody, just layman, everybody is exactly the same in the kingdom of God. So he says that he shows no arbitrary favoritism with one person is no more important than the other. So prayer is not a function of posture or position. Prayer is not a function of posture or position. Prayer is, there I say, Faith works in all believers. There is no special class of believers. There's only differences of callings and offices. When you see somebody that's in ministry, you're seeing somebody that's operating in their divine assignment. But God does not respond to the preacher because he's the preacher. He responds to the preacher because the preacher operates in faith. God doesn't respond to your mom and your dad, your uncle, because they are the godly people in your family. No, God responds to them because they operate in faith. Last scripture for the evening for the sake of everything. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. We're familiar with this scripture. It says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But he loads, he says, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I'm homing in on this important point for a reason. The discussion about prayer, we got to have these things in their proper seed. God doesn't move because you're a preacher. There are a lot of preachers God's not moving for. God doesn't move because you mother this. There are a lot of mothers like, like this that God's not moving for. God moves on your behalf because we operate in faith. And when we operate in faith, it is in accordance with what he's already said. Faith or prayer, there I say, is not a matter of posture or position. You understand that? Say amen. All right. We're going to pick up here on Sunday. Amen. For all those see me looking, praise the Lord, they're working on prayer boards. We got activities, all kind of things going on in Bible study tonight. Praise the Lord. God is good. And we're going to talk about hmm? and we're going to talk about these prayer boards in a little bit because I want you to Understand that when we're doing these prayer boards, you need to release your faith for what you're putting on that board. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We praise you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word tonight. Lord, we pray, let this word seed in our hearts so it can produce fruit. We thank you, Lord, that we're not seeking to get your attention. Lord, we already have your attention. We thank you, Lord, that you're ever-present help in a time of need. Lord, you fellowship with us all of the time. And all we got to do is reach out by faith and believe what you said about your very presence. So, Lord, we thank you that we have your attention. We thank you, Lord, that we can come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you, Lord, that you are our God, you are our Father, and you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. 
If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 6.45 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.